Feel like you've got a lot on your plate, or maybe you've got so much going on it couldn't possibly fit on just one plate. You've got a lot of plates, fully loaded, spinning at full speed. Well, you're not alone, and you've come to the right place. I'm Liz Cerati. Welcome to Seven Plates Spinning, a podcast serving up ideas and inspiration for keeping all those plates in the air. Today, I'm joined by the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast, Diane Bowden. There's been a lot of talk lately about living a simpler life, slowing down, being more intentional about how we live our lives. And while this conversation has been fueled in large part, I think, by the pandemic, minimalism is definitely not a new concept. This idea of embracing a less is more worldview has been around for a long time, and it seems to have been going more mainstream for several years, too, with things like Marie Kondo's book that was so popular. I'm not sure I would call myself a minimalist, per se, but I do like the idea of fewer possessions, placing a higher value on experiences than things, but I feel like I have a lot to learn. And I want to start with a very basic question, which is, how do you define minimalism? And specifically, what does it mean to be a minimalist mom? Because minimalism and mothering, it almost sounds like an oxymoron to me. (laughs) So I would say that minimalism comes down to intentionality and your purpose. And so I think it can sound really scary when we look at something like maybe the minimalist documentary on Netflix. I think that that's something where pop culture automatically goes because Mm -hmm. of the popularity of that Mm -hmm. movie. Um, the same goes with Marie Kondo. I think it can seem really overwhelming. And so therefore we don't act because it's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm a mom. It's not approachable to me. I would say aim of getting rid of what's superfluous. And so Mm. what is excess? What is excessive in your home? That's where you start. And then you asked about minimalist motherhood. And again, it comes back to intentionality. I feel like so often we're just pulled into so many directions. Mm -hmm. We're mom, we're wife, we're friend, we're trying to just work out jobs. Yeah, Yeah. there's so many different ways that we're um, being pulled. And I think that when we come back and like get that focus and deem what's important and what's priority we just feel so much lighter. And so you've already made those foundations and those, I guess you're curating the type of lifestyle you want to have. And you don't just mean like physical things excess, right? You're talking about like mental and emotional baggage and like there's a lot of different aspects of this, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. My one of my biggest examples that I use or that I use would be when it comes to friendships, I would say I'm very Mm. extroverted. But that said, I got to a point a few years ago and was realizing that I did not have the bandwidth to live my life that way anymore, especially after having a third baby. Mm. It was just like, I have too much on my plate. And so I did something that some people might consider pretty cutthroat, but I literally wrote out a list of all of the relationships I had oh, in my wow. life. And that, is, I, that is hardcore. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> like was, voted people I, off the island. Yeah. And I know that sounds maybe kind of mean, but I just felt like I was meeting up every so often with like these people for playdates and it would just be like very surface level. And I felt like I can't actually invest in those around me if I'm continually meeting up these random people that not random people, they're people that I actually did love and had a season of life with, but it's Mm -hmm. like, sometimes you grow apart. And so to prioritize those relationships, even once a quarter, when you could be taking that time and building these stronger relationships that really solidify they keep me grounded. It was yeah. much more important to me to like have these people that were I was regularly pouring into and vice versa. 
in a professional setting, you talk about making sure that you're not just saying yes to everything and you have to mm-hmm. really prioritize, you know, what are the right things to say yes. And like, it can be hard to say no, but you have to mm-hmm. say no sometimes because you can't do it all well. I mean, it's the same kind of yeah. thing I think you're talking about in the in your friendships. It's like you can you spread yourself so thin that you really don't have mm-hmm. enough to give to any of them as much as you want to. And that's, yeah, that's what I was noticing. I was just noticing that I was starting to feel resentful towards everything because Mm -hmm. I was taking on way too much. And again, just because you're saying no to something, does it, that's not a bad thing because that means you're saying yes to something else. And that's maybe a cliche phrase, but I, I really felt that. And I really try and focus on what am I gaining versus what am I losing? I have to ask, did you like notify the people who were not on your (laughs) final list? How did you (laughs) know? I did three tiers and the first tier was really just my family members. It was my sister-in-law, my sister and my cousin were best friends. And so it was like, I'm going to make an, I'm going to be very intentional about seeing these people once at least every two weeks. And then the tier two was once every quarter. And then the tier three was, I still love these people, but I'm not going to go out of my way to contact them. If they contact me and I'm free, of course, but I'm not going to make sure I schedule that play date with them or that yeah, coffee because be I just don't proactive. have time. Right. So there's the physical, uh, like decluttering your home, which we will talk more about, I hope. And then there's this idea of your, your friendships and kind of what mm-hmm. you have time for in your life. What other aspects of your life do you think about taking a minimalist uh, approach. Um, I'm trying to say everything. So, yeah, I was just going to say really everything. I wish that I were better about digital minimalism when it comes mm. to the amount of time that I'm spending on my phone. I feel That's like right now, one. yeah, I have set boundaries in, in certain ways of, oh, I'm not going to check it after a certain hour or, oh, I'm not going to really post on the weekends, but it's still really hard. I feel like that's a hard area to minimize. Yeah, I think that's so hard. And especially lately, you know, I think when people are back at home and we're kind of starved for connection, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. one way that we're connecting with people. So are there Mm -hmm. like core principles that you would point people to? Yeah, I think that deeming what's priority in your life and having that foundation set... Again, that's going to look so different for everyone. But I think that like, if you have that knowledge of, okay, we're going to value experiences over things. That's one principle, I guess I would say of minimalism that my husband and I try to lead in our life. And then I love the idea of if we are going to make a purchase, we try to purchase quality over quantity. I just used the example of if we want bath towels, I'm probably going to wait and save up some money to spend a little bit more on higher quality bath towels that are not going to fall apart in a couple of years. I have yeah. some Target towels, no no knocking Target, but <laughs> I have some Target towels and they are already starting to come apart after two years. I'm like, we're going to invest in some quality towels this time around because we made that mistake. I would rather own nicer things and own fewer of them yes. than constantly replace things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's wasting my time going to the store, like trying to figure out what, what works. So I would say quality over um, quantity. And then just remembering that I was also a marketing major at one point. So <laughs> trends and the marketers, they want you to feel like what you have is not enough and that you always need to upgrade or have the newest things. And I, so I think like the idea of trends coming and going, but sticking with like more classic pieces when it comes to clothing or honestly, even just like simple things that like a kitchen appliance, um, you don't need all the new things. We're such a throwaway culture. And I think, again, that's what a lot of minimalists are trying to stand against. It's like, use what we have, um, 
fix what we may have broken and don't just be looking for a reason to go shop if you don't need to. So how did you get into minimalism and what drew you to this way of life? I was in my parents' basement with my husband and we were looking for something and paraphrasing what he said to me, he said, look at all these things that are now in boxes that were once your parents' hard-earned work hours. Mm. And it just really struck me in that moment. We never had a dialogue right then and there, but it just really hit me. Like all these things are in boxes. They're not even using these anymore. And I have to go to work. So what do I want those working hours to be put towards? I really wanted to focus on experiences and not so many things that would one day be in my basement and just being more intentional about my purchases. I just felt like I was spending money left and right at that point in my life. And I had really nothing to show for it. And so it was just like, okay, we're going to focus on on this rather than what the world says we have to have to fit in or fit this mold of what we should be. Yeah. So it wasn't like some dramatic overnight, you totally changed how you lived your life. It was just this Mm -hmm. decision to be more intentional about the the choices that you were making, it sounds like. Yeah. And, but what I had to be really intentional about, I loved shopping at that time. My first apartment (laughs) was right next to the mall and I felt like I was there every couple of days I was there trying to get new clothes. So for a while, I really just had to stay out of the stores because it's really hard. I mean, it's like an alcoholic going to a bar. It's going to be really hard to say no if you're faced with... That shirt is there and it's on sale and it's cute. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I really, I felt compulsive towards that. I felt so compulsive. So I think that to break any bad habit, you're going to have to step away probably or withdraw for a bit. After I had stepped away for long enough, I could go in with whatever purchase was actually what I needed. And I didn't necessarily go towards those things that I didn't need because it's like, oh, I know what I believe. I know what my foundations are. I know that that stuff is really cool. But you know what? When I come back here next week, there's going to be something else that's equally as cool, if not cooler. And I'm not going to have money to buy each and everything each week that I'm here. So be content with what you have. So this, it's in line with something I saw on your website where you said, you said minimalism is more of a way of life than a goal to be reached. So it Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's really like, it's an ongoing choice that you make every day. It's not like you've now achieved minimalist black belt Mm -hmm. status. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I think as a mom too. So now I have these three little kids that are growing into bigger kids and they're going to have their own opinions and the things that they want to bring into our home. And so I think that you're constantly having to stay on top of it, whether it's the rocks that they bring in, like their rock collection, whatever it may <laughs> you can't be. can't throw those out. <laughs> yeah. At least so not think, while they're awake. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot easier, obviously, with my three-year-old and 18-month-old, but like yeah. with my six-year-old and even with Martin, he's he'll be four in July. I want to involve him at least to a point with some of these decisions because I mm-hmm. don't want to create quarters because mommy threw everything away as a kid. So that's like definitely a fear yeah. of mine. Of <laughs> the they go to the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But all that yeah. to say, I think that I really have tried to involve them in it. Yeah, and have you explained, have you tried to explain, I'm curious, like how do you explain the concept of minimalism or the benefits of it and try to teach them about it at a young age? Or are they just seeing you do it? I still feel like I'm trying to tell them exactly what minimalism is. I just said, you know how we we like to donate things when we start to get too many toys, you know how we like to go through and sort through and see what you're playing with. And that's something that I feel like my six-year-old totally can do. I'll ask her like right before a holiday or birthday, like, hey, what in your room aren't you playing with anymore? Maybe there are some kids that don't have 
toys and we can donate to them. And so that helps like build empathy in them, which is helpful. But also I think your kids would surprise you if you help them and also catch them in a good mood when you're doing that, because sometimes like you don't want to do that right before nap time. But, um, <laughs> pick your pick your timing yeah. wisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. but I would just say it, it has been a benefit because we've lived like this since having kids. But even like if we're going to go to Target or something and my kids are like, oh, we want to see the toy aisle. I don't say no. But when we go through the toy aisle, we'll take pictures of things and say, okay, let's add that to your wish list for your birthday or Christmas. And then that way I have this like little running note in my phone and I just have the screenshots of the different things. And then I get to curate that (laughs) when we send out lists for the holidays. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's just like dialoguing with them. And I think they'll surprise you. It's got to be hard as they get older, I would think, because kids are mm-hmm. very aware of what their peers have peers and sitting have. in with their peers. But I would think if they've been hearing about this and kind of living this way their whole lives, we'll have to check back in in a few years. I'm curious whether they'll be less susceptible to that kind of peer pressure because of that. If you have listeners that are listening and think, well, I didn't start I I didn't raise my kids like this from the beginning. How do I do that with teenagers? Again, I think that with any new habit or any new discipline, there is going to be that trial and error process. And then there's going to be the the period of time where you have to more so put in the work and it's going to be hard, but Mm -hmm. like minimalism and living with less is very counterculture. And so it is going to be hard at first, but the benefit, it really does pay off after even just decluttering your space or decluttering your schedule or focusing on gratitude and experiences. So again, yes, hard period maybe in the beginning, but the payoff is, I feel like I reap the rewards every day. Yeah. You um, mentioned Marie Kondo's book. There's been a lot of talk lately about Marie Kondo and her book and her method of tidying up our lives and only keeping items that spark joy. Is that the same thing as minimalism or is that something different? I definitely think it's, a minimalist concept. But then I thought more about the idea of sparking joy. And I'm looking at a hammer right now. I definitely need the hammer, but I'm not going to say that it sparks joy in me, but I still need the hammer. <laughs> right, you're not going to get rid of it. And that's a good example. Yeah. yeah. So yes. it's things like that, that are practical and kind of the same, even when you, this is somewhat of a side tangent, but when you're whittling down your schedule, I definitely am a person that thinks Say, be certain when you say yes to things, have things on your schedule only that you're really wanting to do and that you want to commit to. But at the same time, I don't really want to commit to that like OB appointment, like where I have to go drink the diabetes drink. Like, I don't want to go do that when I'm pregnant, you know, like things that I have to do because I just have to do. There are commitments that I have to follow through with just because that's adulthood. So I think going back to your Marie Kondo, Yes, I think she has some great advice, but I don't think that everything we own necessarily sparks joy or some type of enlightenment in our lives. Yeah, for the stuff stuff saved in the boxes in the basement, it probably is a good uh, rule of thumb. Uh (laughs) You're going to keep that stuff or throw it out. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about decluttering. Can you give a newbie to minimalism some tips for taking the first steps in terms of thinking about decluttering your home? I would always say to start in the bathroom because there are there are not going to be sentimental items in your bathroom typically. <laughs> and so Good you can point. go in there, you can tackle it, keep those counters clean. In a bathroom, usually it's one of the smallest rooms and small spaces. And so we don't need to clutter up our countertops in there. People start their days in the bathroom and they end their days in the bathroom. And yeah. you don't want to start that feeling like, oh, it's kind of messy in here. Like, oh, I, I don't like 
I wanted to say like the vibe, but that sounds yeah. kind of woo. But yeah. So I think that if you pull everything out, even just giving it 30 days, so even if you pull up the things on the walls, just make it very bare. Get your nice shower curtain that you like and just keep it really simple and see how it feels. And then once you have gone through that process, you can start to tackle other areas and then make your way up to those sentimental items, whether it's your baby clothes or kids artwork, that kind yeah. of stuff. Photos, those are harder things. Um, maybe if your parents have passed away and going through their items, I would steer, steer clear of that until honestly, you've been at this for a while because I know that that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. for people. Um, so the areas so, like the bathroom where you don't have any sentimental attachment, like your pantry probably be a good one, right? Yeah. Well, I secretly also, love organizing my pantry. So I do this <laughs> periodically anyways. It's probably the most uh, frequently decluttered area of my entire house because I find it very satisfying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, I think that sometimes even in the bathroom or the pantry, we don't want to throw something away because it's like, oh, I already spent the money on this. Yeah. All I, but it, you already did spend the money on it. So if you're not going to use it, why mm-hmm. is it still taking up the space? Like yeah. you mourn the idea that you've already spent the money on it and toss it if you're not using it because we have this idea of like, oh, our future self's going to use that. And that's typically not very realistic. And I think that's a lot of minimalism too. Just being really honest with yourself and seeing like where you may be not telling yourself the full truth about who you are and what it is that you want. And that's why I think it comes down to, again, your intention and what your purpose and your foundation is as a family. Do you feel like this past year where we've had such a weird year and we've been in lockdown for a good part of the year is an easier or a harder time to apply minimalist principles to our lives? So I think that everyone's answer might be slightly different with this. For Mm -hmm. me, I thought it was easier because... Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing nearly as much. So I definitely didn't feel any type of, I really didn't feel the comparison game when it came to what I had in my house or what yeah. I looked like. Um, maybe I felt some comparison and towards what other moms were able to do during the day. But I would say I also had a lot of help from my husband because he was a teacher. So he mm. was home a lot. So I felt like that really allowed us to slow down our days, um, which is something that I feel like out of the pandemic, it was just kind of coming to a head again, going back to like your schedule and saying yes and committing to things. You don't want to overfill your schedule to where you're resenting saying yes in the first place. And so I felt like that's kind of where I was getting to prior to the pandemic. So it has definitely been bittersweet. It's sad to see the world shut down and businesses going, people losing their businesses. But for us, it was really nice to have some time to just be with one another without that comparison, without others giving as much input because you're not seeing people as regularly. You're not out in the world. Yeah. And it was, a, as you say, it forced us to slow down. And now we all have this opportunity as we're, as things start to open up again, to be very intentional about what we do let back in and what we mm-hmm. don't. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. I think that we can have gratitude for the things that I don't know, we can see. And again, I guess this is a form of comparison. We can see that other people are lacking and be grateful for the things that we do have and just have more of a respect for the things that are in our lives and what we want to take forward. Diane also recently published a book called Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. You can find more information about her book and her podcast on her website, minimalistmomspodcast.com. That's all for today. Talk to you again soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, please visit sevenplatespinning.com and subscribe to continue listening. And consider leaving a rating or a review on whatever platform you access the podcast. I so appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. 